grow on your chest. I don't think you heard me tonight. I said, here's going to grow on your chest tonight. Go ahead, beat your chest. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're going to take our Bibles tonight and turn to the 11th chapter of the book of Acts. Amen. You may reject me, but God accept me. That's all right. Well, I know my wife rejects when I talk like that, but that's all right. She's got a right to be wrong. Hallelujah. But amen, I feel good. I feel happy. I feel blessed. In fact, I'm proud tonight. I'm proud to be a Christian. Praise God. And my Taliban is proud to be a Christian. I'm proud to be a Christian. I wouldn't have it no other way. I'm proud to be a Christian. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. You're looking at King Neil. And that's Queen Phyllis. I'm not sure who you guys are. But if you have any sense at all, you say, I'm kings and priests to God. Can anybody claim the territory? Can anybody claim the territory? Hallelujah, hallelujah. I tell my wife, don't tap. She can tell a little fib. You wish to say, you're the most handsome guy in the whole world. God will not condemn you for that. He won't he'll let you off the hook. Hallelujah. Something wrong with your eyes. I know that. Amen. Hallelujah. But chapter 11 of the book of Acts in verse 26. Verse 25. And the Bible says, in fact, let's go up to verse 24. I'm going to go even back here to get read reading here. Verse 22. Can I go up to verse 21, please? I know where I want to go. I'm going to go somewhere. <laughs> and the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. And they sent Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who, when he, had, when he came, and seen the grace of God and was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And much people were added unto the Lord, like tonight and tomorrow and the rest of the week. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus, that's in Turkey, to seek Saul who we call Paul today. When he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. God bless you. I say, God bless you. Verse 27, 28 tells you, what Murray Macy happened back then was a great, what? Dirt. He called, he called famine dirt. Amen? But in verse 29, it said that the apostles and the saints, amen, interact with each other. That nobody liked anything. Those who had too much gave to those who had nothing. 
And those who had nothing didn't grudge those who had something. But there's a prophecy went forth, and God fulfilled the word. God wanted you to know his word will be fulfilled. You may be seated. Praise God. Now, what did I say my title is? Huh? Proud to be a Christian. I, I know you got like, to retitle my, my sermons. And I came, at, I guess, when did I, I said, well, Lord, when did I preach that? What evangelist did I have here? <laughs> I must have had an evangelist. Now, tonight is the most slowest message I'll ever preach to you in all your walks. But I want you to understand what Christianity is all about. What is it to be a Christian? First of all, listen to me, a Christian is a disciplined follower of Jesus Christ. You're not following a man, you're following Jesus. So what's a Christian? A disciplined follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and a Christian is somebody that goes through stages. First, they were a sinner. They experienced birth. They experienced maturity. And they come to a state of greater responsibility. Now, I'm going to ask you some questions and answer the questions as I go along. Now, I don't have time to read all the scriptures. But 1 John 3, 4 what is sin? Here's the answer. It's disobedience to God's word. Number two, what is conviction? Psalms 51 explained that. It's feeling a sense of guilt that I've violated God's commandments, God's teachings. What is repentance? 1 John 1 and verse 8 to 9. It talks about feeling sorry for the wrong I know I have done contrary to God's teaching, and I promise not to repeat it again. Point number four, what is confession? Psalms 32 and verse 5 give you an example. It is the acknowledging that I have broken God's law, God's teaching, I've been disobedient, and I own up the wrong that I've done against God. And I say, God, I have done it. I'm sorry I've done it. And I confess. I admit it. I don't hide it. I confess it to God. Point number five. Psalm 103 and verse 10 to 14. What is forgiveness? It is the escaping of the penalty of sin. God alone can forgive you of sin that committed against him. Obviously, if you've sinned against a neighbor, it's called trespassing, and they can forgive you too. But above all, you must learn to forgive yourself. You can't live in your past forever and still be a Christian. It's impossible. So forgiveness is to escape the penalty of my personal sin, escape God's judgment, and experience the kindness and the mercies and the grace of God. Number six, what is baptism? First of all, there are two types of baptism. Baptism in water and baptism in the Holy Ghost. Jesus and John call that being born again. Acts twenty-two sixteen, 16. 
When you are baptized in water by full immersion in the name of Jesus Christ, what you actually just done, because of the blood of Jesus, you have washed away all your past sins and guilt. It's never to be brought back to you again. Only you can bring it up. He can't bring it up. It's buried in the sea of forgetfulness. Now, if you're a new convert, don't have to worry. I'll give you a copy of my notes later on. So you don't have to write anything down as you want to. But if you want to write it, keep writing them down. Point number seven, Acts 5.32. What is baptism of the Holy Ghost? First of all, it's a necessity. You cannot go to heaven. You can't be in the rapture without the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's not an extra luggage. It's a necessity. When you were born, you were called a living soul. That's what you are before you are converted. When you're converted into Christianity, you become a quickening spirit. That you don't understand, but that means you're going to be changed in a moment in the twinkle of an eye from who you are to who he is when he comes for you. So baptism of the Holy Ghost, first of all, you know you're just being baptized in the Holy Ghost when you find yourself speaking with other tongues that you did not learn. God placing his Holy Spirit in your heart, and your heart speak as he gives you the utterance, and you speak in tongues. And the Bible says the Holy Ghost has given to them that obey him. So if you have not yet received the Holy Ghost, please keep praying. Ask God, why am I not speaking in tongues? Why do I get the evidence that I've received the Holy Ghost? And when you receive that evidence, do not deny it because you're insulting God concerning what he just promised you. Amen. All right. Then point number eight. How do I know my sins are gone or forgiven? Isaiah 43, 25, let you know, we believe by faith the promises of God that I have remitted, I've blotted out your sins, and I will not remember them anymore. God says he's done that. Why would you doubt him? Why would you bring it back to him? It's an insult to the promises of God. So we don't do that. Point number nine, what am I saved from? When I say you need to be saved, Saved from what? Well, Romans 5, 9, it says we're saved from the wrath to come. Because the wage of the sin is death. Not just normal death, but spiritual death. But thank God, because of repentance, and confession, and water baptism, and the receiving of the Holy Ghost, you are no longer under condemnation to die in your sins. You have sent the sins unto God in judgment. And God has forgiven you all of your past sins. You have no right to bring it back up. And in the past, you were lost. Now God says, I have found you. In the past, you have been cast into hell if you die without conversion. But now, heaven is your home. He said, I go prepare a place for you that where I am, there you might be also. So you're down here waiting for him to do what he promised to do, take you there. Point number 10. What is eternal life? Romans 6, in verse 23, the Bible tells very plain that Jesus Christ in us is the true God and eternal life. 1 John 5, 20, 21, talk about Jesus Christ being the true God and eternal life. If Christ is in you, you cannot die a second death. We all die naturally, physical, organic death. But then the Bible explained that that's not true. It says, when you die naturally, your spirit goes back to God that gave it. 
And God's to put that spirit somewhere, either in hell or heaven. The converted person goes to live with him. Those who are not converted and born again go somewhere else, a place called hell, which was made for the devil and his angel. All right? Who is a Christian? Ephesians 5. Give you a good example of what a Christian is. But a Christian is a disciplined follower of all the teachings of Jesus Christ in the Bible. The Bible is our guidebook, is our map, is our roadmap. We live and obey that. We don't, if Canadian law violate God's Bible, we obey God's word, not Canadian law. We're law-abiding citizens, but if they write a law that's contrary to God's word, we can't obey them because they can't put me in hell, but he can. He, you got a higher law than his law, right? All right? Can a Christian sin? Yes. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 to 10. When a person who's converted and left their whole lifestyle and come to a new life, and they begin to go backwards into their old lifestyle, picking up things they buried and threw away, go back to their old sin, then what you've done is they call backsliding. You're going backwards. You're not making progress. And what you're doing, you're insulting Jesus, and devil is laughing at him, that you're not loyal to him, that you're not faithful to him. And then you're rubbing out everything you did. Okay? But if it happened to you, you can be restored. You can be restored. How? By acknowledging I have fallen. I made a mistake. And Lord, forgive me. Bring me back into truth. And God is faithful just to forgive you of all that sin and righteousness and bring you into the faith back again. But he says, go and sin no more. Don't keep repeating it. Because at one point you're going to say, sorry, bye. You're going to walk away. All right? How many times can you forgive somebody? Well, at some point, you're going to run out of luck. You keep doing it. What is temptation? First of all, temptation is not sin. When I came to God, I didn't know the difference. And I struggled with that until I got understanding from the Word of God. Temptation is enticing me to have relapse, going back to the things I threw away, the things I cut off in my life, the things that God showed me I don't need, I got rid of it. And if I go back and pick it up, then I'm, I've fallen. But I have the power to resist, the power to say no. If I'm somewhere and I'm seeing dirty pictures, I can do this. If I'm hearing dirtier music, I can walk away. If I stay there, then I'm encouraging it. And you get triggers. And then temptation, James says in James chapter 1 and verse 13 to 14, the temptation is not sin, but giving into it is sin. That's where the sin comes. And what sin does to Adam and Eve, it got them thrown out of the Garden of Eden. God threw them out. All right? So temptation is not sin, but every man, everyone is tempted. Even Jesus was tempted. You can resist it. You can say no to the enticement. Remove yourself away from the place and things that are doing that to you. I knew when I got converted, if I hang around my old friends who did not like what I did, they're going to pull me back, 
backwards. If I go pick up the things I put down, then my crave come back and I go back to it. So I burned the bridge. I said, I'm not going back. I'm in my mind. I'm not going back. And so I've learned to overcome. But everybody is tempted. We call it triggers. We call it relapse. We call it and all these different things. Point number 14. Why am I tempted? James 1 and verse 12 to 14. I am tested because I made a confession to Jesus that I want to be a Christian. I used to smoke heavily from England. In fact, from Jamaica. I shouldn't be in Jamaica, but I did. I was a kid. I was breaking every home rule there was. In England, I broke rules too. I came to Canada, I realized how bound I was. So, when I want to quit now to be a Christian, it's a fight. I couldn't give it up. It grabbed, had me more than I knew it. But what happened was, the bondage was always there. I didn't know it until I started to resist it. When I started resisting it, I began to realize how strong a hold it had on me. And I needed Jesus Christ. So, the question is, am I converted or not? I was tested for obedience. I was tested for sincerity. I was tested if I'm faithful and loyal to the truth, or I just want to go back and make excuses for my sins. Well, I failed a few times. Of course I did. I called the pastor and told him. I said, look, man, I smoked. Uh, I didn't know in those days I shouldn't tell him anything. I hide it from him. I was dumb. I told him. <laughs> I, I, I messed up. He just prayed for me, but he didn't, he didn't give me a hard time because I was struggling. I really wanted to quit, but I couldn't. I just keep fighting over it. And finally, uh, God realized I was bound by it, and I remember the night when God, through a visiting preacher, left that pulpit, came down, laid hands on my head, prayed for me, and said, you're free, and that's my freedom. Never smoked since. I gave up smoking. Never smoked since. Doesn't bother me. I can't stand the smell of it. Thank God I'm free. I didn't take Nicorette or patches or badges. I took the name of Jesus. So if you're tempted, join the club. We're all tempted. If you fail, get up again. The worst thing about failing is you made a mistake and you let that keep you at a church. You made a mistake and you stay down. Get up. Confess it. Amen. Don't brag on it. Confess it. And ask God to forgive you. And move on until you overcome. Can you say amen? All right. Point number 15. What if I made a mistake? Well, you're not God. He wants you to be perfect. He wants me to be perfect. And he demands we be perfect. But perfection is a goal. Right? It's a, not a destination. You won't get there. But we strive to be perfect. He said, be perfect as he's perfect. James 5, 19 and 20. The perfect law in the Bible is this book. We're not here to compare ourselves between ourselves. We don't compare ourselves among ourselves. No, we don't do that. Somebody is living overcoming life, but their struggle and my struggle are different. My weakness might be your strength, and your strength might be my weaknesses. So, Jesus is our standard. If you want to know if you're a good Christian or not, don't compare to me or somebody else. Compare yourself to Jesus Christ. He is your standard. 
And I promise you, he won't brag on your weakness. <laughs> he, will, he will help you. Right? So if you made a mistake, first thing, acknowledge it. Number two, ask God for forgiveness. Doesn't matter who you are. Do not condemn yourself. Conviction and condemnation is two different things. A person with condemnation lives with self-blame till the day they drop dead from depression and anxiety. Anxiety and depression does not come from conviction. It comes from condemnation. So let me tell you, you're not good, you're not good, you're not good, you're going to fail. Da, 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 da. That's condemnation. Conviction is, hey, you made a mistake. Smarten up. Get rid of it. Move it out of the way. Move on. Right? There is no condemnation to any Christian living for God. A lot of Christians condemn themselves, and God has nothing to do with them. They're bound for years. I've seen people right now, they're bound for 25 years that I've known for 25 years. Still bound. They will not listen to the preached word. They choose to lead, lead to their own understanding and their own mind because your mind plays tricks on you. Amen. But you have to trust the word. This is your guide, not what you think or what you feel. The word of God is your guide. So you accept, you ask God for forgiveness, and you accept that forgiveness, right? All right? And then you say, Lord, I made some mistakes. I know these are triggers in my life, and relapses come through these avenues. So I avoid places and persons and things of enticement that will bring me back to that weak lifestyle. Okay? Thoughts of sin. I had a friend in England. He, we, we're going to a party. And he said he wanted to use the phone. He was lying to me. And I thought he would meant it. And it's before some chain. He got up to the chain and he put it in the phone booth. Next thing he was doing was ripping out that phone booth, trying to rip the money out of that thing. And as he was doing that, a Bobby, we call the cops for their Bobby, was driving by. And I thought, my God, what is this guy doing? I said, what are you doing? Well, I dropped him from that day on. What if we get caught and my parents here, I got caught with this guy. I dropped him. Amen. I don't want to be triggered or relapsed or be condemned with him. All right? How do I know I'm saved? You know, we said we're saved. Saved from what? Well, I still got polio. <laughs> I still got migraine headaches. So what am I saved from? First of all, you're saved from the wrath to come. It's appointed unto all of us to die. We're all going to die one of these days. But after that, death comes judgment. Praise the Lord. Amen. After judgment, God got to put you somewhere. Right? So how do I know I'm saved? I'm saved when I trust the word of God by faith. I need examples in this Bible of people that were converted and are saved, for me to know I have what they had. Otherwise, you don't know. I need biblical role model to tell me. That's how it is. And there are many in the book of Acts and throughout the Bible. So, how do I know I'm saved? I trust God's word. By faith are we saved through faith. In other words, Jesus told me when I obey Acts 2.38, I will not go to hell. I will not be condemned. That's what he told me. So I believe him. Hey, I believe him. And I'm believing what his word tells me. I've obeyed God's plan. We've obeyed the gospel from the heart. 
And I'm not living a willful, sinful life. I don't tell you I don't make mistakes. Amen. But I'm saved by hope. The end of my faith is the salvation of my soul. Right? All right. My mom is dead. My dad is dead. I've never seen them dance, drink, get drunk, or cuss. I swear I never heard them in my life. All I know them for is praying and live for God. So they're going to face their reward. Whatever they lived, they're going to have to face it. Right? But, you know, you talk a lot about salvation. Even the apostles, they talk about salvation. But when they die, they're going to find out if it was a lie or true. Can't come back. Can't fix it. But you have obeyed. Jesus says, if it were not so, I would have told you. All right? So how do I know I'm saved? First of all, did my conversion comply with the biblical model? If you can't show it in the Bible, you don't have it. You're not supposed to believe anything that's not in the Bible. Otherwise, you've got no leg to stand on. <laughs> Reach time before Jesus Christ. Okay, what are the benefits of becoming a Christian? Point 17. Number one, God is your heavenly father. Please don't compare him to your natural father because your natural father may not be the kind of guy you want to talk about. But he's your heavenly father. Number two, he said he has blotted out all of your sins. Jesus promised you heaven. That's why he died for you. That where he is, you can be also. I told you Sunday night. I don't know if you guys believe it or not, but I believe what I told you Sunday night. Oh, I believe before I preach it to you. And whether you believe it or not, that's your problem. But I know what I believe. I believe the report from the word of God. All right? He said he would supply all my needs. And I'm saved by his blood, Romans 5, 9. And I'm saved by his hope, Romans 8, 24. So when I read Romans 8, 24, I know the end of my salvation is saving of my soul. So why do we come to church all the time? Why do we come to church? We'll tell you in just a minute, okay? All right. Now, this Bible, everybody have an opinion about the Bible. You do, I do, we all had an opinion. But God's word is true. The Bible is the word of God. John 5, 39. It says, search the scripture, for in them you think you have eternal life. It is your roadmap for marriage, for singles, for how you should dress, how a husband should be or a wife should be, what is wrong and right relationship. It tells me what's right from wrong. It doesn't matter what social order says or the psychologist because they're going to die like you die. And they've got to defend what they said to God later on. You need this word to stand on, right? It's God's teaching for all times. It covers every area of life. And you can't look at others and say, well, that church don't do this. Why are we doing this? Wrong comparison. You compare what's being done to the written word. I don't care what the preacher, you don't care what I say. What does it say here? It is the written word that governs. I don't have no favorite bishop or, or preacher or church. What I have is the favorite word of God. God's going to judge you by his word. He told Peter, except you repent, Peter, you will likewise what? Perish. <laughs> That's the guy with the keys. 
All right. So there you go. You stick to the word. That's why you got to read it, learn it, and understand. By the way, you don't need Greek and Hebrew to read this book. God's not dumb. God said, come to the language you speak. But God give you a five-fold ministry, apostle, pastor, teacher, and evangelist to teach you the word of God. Who will teach your children. Thank God for your schools, but your schools were never intended to teach your kids. God never intended that. God intended you to teach your children. It's your responsibility, not the teacher's responsibility. And you have no idea what they're going to teach them anyway. All right? So the Bible is Word of God. Get used to it. Love it. And if you're going to buy a Bible, please get the King James Version Bible. KJV. If you have any questions, come and see me. I'll help you. I make sure you get the right Bible in your hand because some of these Bibles are distorted. All right? What is prayer? What is prayer? Matthew 6 and verse 6 to 13, Jesus tells us exactly how we should not pray and how we should pray. I don't want to knock in a religion tonight, but I can tell you many ways of praying that is not right. But Jesus identified how you should pray. And in prayer is you talking to God direct. That's the only time in your life you don't need a preacher or some friends. You talk to God direct from your heart. Don't read that prayer to him. You're wasting your time. Talk to him the way you know to talk. He's not dumb. He understands you. And we tell you, start with worship, praise, confession, petition, giving of thanks. We just did a sermon on that. Get the tape and listen to it. Learn to invest in preaching. The first sermon you heard may not stick with you until you two, three, four times. Instead of hearing rock music and bad music, listen to preaching. That will build you up in faith. Faith come by hearing. Practice make perfect. All right? Point 20. Should I clean myself up before I come to God? Absolutely not. You can't be good enough for God to receive. First of all, first of all you're, you and I are never good enough for God to receive you. God said, I have chosen you in the state you're in. God chose you. You didn't choose him. I know these false churches preach, accept Christ as your personal Savior. That's their foolish statement. How do you accept Christ? What if he doesn't accept you? I accept the queen. Does it mean she accept me? I accept Obama. Does that mean you'll see me? No. But if they accept me, I can go see them. Right? So drop that term today. It's not from your Bible. It's not from God. It's a false religion. Amen. So what should I do then? All right? You come to God as you are. Meaning this. I'm saved by the grace of God. Not by merit. Not by because I stopped cutting my hair or stopped wearing pants or stopped doing that. That still won't save because there are people who are not saved that don't do those things. I don't mean they're saved, but that's part of salvation. You come to God with your hang-ups. You come to God with your filthy rags. And you say, God, be merciful to be a sinner. And Jesus Christ said, don't worry about it. I died for you. My blood has been paid as a price to cover your faults and your failures. Now, I'm going to tell you what to do.
Amen. He said, if you believe in God, then believe in me because he's God. So you come as you are and just let God work it out. Timothy 3, 5. Not by works of righteousness, but by grace. Now, some folks said, you don't have to do anything. Jesus Christ did it all. That's not true. Jesus has to die for you. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is where Jesus made the provision that I could be saved. If there was no Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the book of Acts would be redundant, useless. The epistles would not be possible. But everything I'm saying tonight is hinged on one man, his death, burial, and resurrection. That gives me the right to do what I'm doing tonight. All right? So when I go to pray, how should I pray? Do I pray catechisms? <laughs> do I count beads? I see people counting beads in Edmonton last week. You guys walk in counting 96 beads. I see them saying different chants and different stuff. I'm not here to mock them. I feel sorry for them. And such were some of us. Well, then God turns around and says, don't do that. I said, don't do that. Will you close your eyes, open your eyes? It doesn't bother God. Matthew 6 didn't discuss closing your eyes or opening your eyes. He said, but when you pray, tell God like it is. Ask God for help. Ask God for guidance. Let him know you depend on him. Believe that that silent listener is hearing you. He's not deaf. He made your ears. <laughs> you tell him he can't hear you. But how can we know when he made a mistake? He sees you, and when you leave that prayer room, leave in faith. You don't walk in there and start accusing God. You're wasting your time. You go in there with worship for who he is. You praise him for what he does. Yes. You confess him for coming short. And then you move on, accept his forgiveness, and make your petition. Lord, I have these basic problems I'm dealing with. I have these needs. I need your help in this situation. I need the Holy Ghost. Or my children need help. My job situation needs you. And I can't handle it. God, would you give me some help, some guidance, some teaching? Do something for me, God. And then when you finish saying all those things, you believe that he heareth you. And you get up from that prayer meeting, believing, and thank you. Thank you, God, for listening to me and walk away. And in due season, the answer will show up. It's not an accident. Not by chance. There's for you to recognize, for this I had prayed for. And it's happening. He done it for me. He lifted my depression, my anxiety. He gave me hope against no hope. Jesus Christ did all this. Point number 22, what is faith? Here's what you need to know right now. If you don't have faith, forget about God. It's impossible, God says, it's impossible to please him without faith. Don't even go there. In fact, James told you very plainly, if you, if you come in unbelief, you get nothing from God. Faith means I'm praying for God to do this. I'm praying for God to do that. I'm going to leave with God and trust him that he's faithful and just and righteous to hear me and to supply as he promised. You can't give God your time schedule. 
He's not your servant. You're the servant. You've got to be humble and come to God and say, Lord, if it be thy will, if it be, let it be. If not, give me the grace to receive a no as the wisdom of God. Hallelujah. That's how you pray. Because he sees the end from the beginning. Jesus told some people, you don't know what you just prayed for. It could hurt you. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, if you read it, the entire book, don't worry about it. I'm going to give you uh, or some, some paper later on to take care of all this. But Hebrews, chapter 11, there are two groups of people in there, and they're all people of faith. One group received everything they prayed for, and the other half received nothing. What does that mean? So the bottom half cursed God for not getting what they wanted? Is the top half better? No. No. <laughs> he said, my ways are not like your ways, and my thoughts not like your thoughts. What if God, when he said to Peter and John, he told Peter, Peter, you're sure you're going to die. They're going to tie your hand, tie your feet, and carry you and kill you, martyr you. And he told them all where they're going to end up and left John out of the picture. And Peter said, just a minute, Lord, what about him? Jesus said, what is it to you? Mind your own business. That's what he's saying. If I want to live till I come back, it's nothing to do with you. I'm telling you how you are going to glorify me, and he's going to glorify me the way I want him to glorify me. We all don't have, listen now, the same will of God for our lives. Your job is to find out what is God's will for my life. And stop looking in my basket, and stop looking on my fence, and find out what your place is with God. One guy is in the palace, Daniel. One is by in, <laughs> one is in prison, Jeremiah. And one is in the pits by the seaside, Ezekiel. They're all doing God's will, but they all have trial within where they were. Different problems. But same God. So faith, I believe you got confidence in what you said. And you have to believe to receive. If you don't, you're going to get nothing from God. So before you come to God and try to accuse him, make sure you're obeying him. All right? Point number 23, holiness. What is holiness? Matthew 5 and verse 8. The pure in heart and thought shall see God. Well, we're born in sin. We cuss, we swear, we blaspheme in his name, we do a bunch of stuff, and never think anything of it. Now we're saved, a word slip by, say, oops, you feel bad about it. Because now God is talking to you. You're linked up with God. Your sensitivity has come on. And you're aware, and you know you can't do that. I've seen people come to the altar and make changes right on the altar. Nobody told them to do it. You know, 
Brother Miles, I remember when your mom, your mom got saved. I remember what she did. Grabbed things off herself. I, I didn't try to do it. She did it right here. I've seen other people just, you know, pull that tree down and try to pull it down. But what's happening to them? Because something's happening in their life. And people are covering it themselves. Why? Because they're in the presence of a holy God. And they're going to feel conviction, not condemnation, conviction um, in his presence. God didn't want Adam and Eve to be naked. And the clothing they made for themselves were not good enough. He stripped it off them and made them distinct clothing. Because Adam and Eve had the same type of garment. And God said, no way, no unisex around here. And God said, you can take this off, take this off, and strip them back naked and make a garment specific for Eve and one specific for Now, a lot of people come to the church door and they don't like that. That's their prerogative. They don't have to like it. I mean, in the end, they have to deal with him, not me. But if I tell them anything different, then I've got to deal with God because I change his word. You can't change God's word. You know, if, if you join the army, <laughs> they change your clothing. They change the way you look, change the way you dress. You don't tell them how to dress. They're going to tell you you're in the army. If you're going to be a Christian, the Christian is the army. God's Christian army, salvation army. And God's going to tell you, I don't mean one downtown, by the way. <laughs> but God's going to tell you how to be because he created you. You didn't create yourself. God did. God did. All right, holiness. 24, church attendance. Is it necessary? Hebrews 10, 25. I read to you last week. And the most frightening thing about it, God said, that's willful sinning. That's the worst sin of the Bible, willful sinning. A guy in the world, he cussed, swears, killed, and murdered, get away with it. And all I did is a willful sin, and I'm, I'm locked out. And God says, you know the truth. When we were kids, we, there are eight of us, and our big sister always get whipped for the rest of us. <laughs> I'll put the blame on her for whatever went wrong because she should have been charged. <coughs> but church attendance is not a chore. It's not an option. If you ever make it to heaven, you're going to be in church forever. You're going to stay home. You're going to cry every day, now and day, holy, holy, and God going to get bored hearing that. You get bored saying it, but you're a gum that keeps saying, holy, holy. I need new dentures. Holy, 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 holy. Lord God, my. Well, God, how many times do you want to hear that? Shut your mouth. This is my kingdom. You want to hear it? Leave it alone. Hello? There's church in heaven. Down here, the dress rehearsal. And God said, they're sinning willfully. Read the rest of the story. Psalms 122, verse 1. I was glad when they sent to me. Let's go into the house of the Lord. Now, I live in McMurray. Nobody tell me, Pastor Ian, you have to be in church Friday night. You have to be there Sunday morning, Sunday night. But this book does. This book does. You're going to judge me by this book? Every man works shall be what? Rewarded. If you, if you, skip, your, if you skip job you know, in the workforce, I have sick leave I've never taken. Every year, I've never been sick on a job. So they got sick leave. Never had one. Never had one in my life. But I can't take it. In the end, so well, I didn't get sick, so let's go sick for a few days. 
That's lying. <laughs> you know? So I was never a problem to an attendance. But if you skip work too often, they fire you. You're the first one to be laid off. I get the axe fall on you. Because you're going to reap what you have sowed over the years. Amen. Is that right? All right? We meet and to worship. This is not a club. I can't promise you everybody in church going to love you like we love you and treat you nice like we want to treat you and talk to you nicely. I'm up here. You're down there. And I won't be around when someone said something wrong to you in the gym or somebody embarrass you or criticize your input in the church. I will not be there to hear it. I won't know they've done it. And if you walk out and say, well, I may come back because so-so hurt me, you have been tricked by the devil. The first thing you have to learn why you got come here, you didn't come here to hear me. You come here to worship God. You come here to serve God. You come here to love Jesus. All we are are just servants of him, carrying out his will. And even if we offend you, that doesn't mean he offended you. So you can't take what I did to you and, 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 and walk out on God. You're not smart. It has nothing to do with him. And it's important you realize, so if sister son don't shake your hand, don't, don't hug your neck and treat you good, invite you for coffee and so on, so what? I've got Jesus. And that's all that matters. I don't need to go to your pizza party or your pity parties. I got Jesus. When I walk through that direction, I'm going to serve God. Amen. You know, some folks dance in the Holy Ghost, some don't. And those who don't dance criticize those who dance. Mind your own business. Go learn how to dance. Praise ye the Lord. But church is for the family of God. Amen. Now, the church is the family. Ephesians 3.15 says, the church is a family. Like it or not, you may not like the skunk in the church, but sorry, Giraffe. Put up with a skunk. If you are in the ark, you don't decide who gets on. God does. And obviously, the mosquito got through because they're still here. Left to me, they'll all be dead. The serpent wouldn't get on, but he's on. The giraffe, you know what a giraffe is? Someone with a long neck. He came in on the giraffe in that ark. Always poking his nose in other people's business. Still live for God. Somebody's going to say something to you that's not right. Ignore them. Live for God. In fact, some even try to chastise you when they got the right to. You're watching a family? When one kid tries to chastise another kid, it's a fight. Who gave you the authority to do that? Pow! And the war starts. Somebody's stepping out of line doing what is not their job. Right? So the church of the family were called brothers and sisters. Now, that term brother and sister used to cause us problems in the days of the Roman Empire. Because they say, well, these guys are committed incest. They marry each other. But they were ignorant of what we're talking about. Okay? We're brothers and sisters in the Lord because we're born again. And our mother is the 
the church. And Jesus is our Father. We've taken on his name. Amen? All right. Why do you need a pastor? That's the worst job in church. Everybody threw their filth at that guy. It's called occupation hazard. Because everybody blame him for what he does, and what he didn't do, what he should have said, what he could have said, what he might have said. And we learn very quickly that's occupational hazard. Amen. And then not to mention those outside the door that will bad mouth the preacher to you and tell you, you know, how many people say, I, I sold drugs to build this church? They were convinced I was selling drugs. Because how can a church this size afford a building of this quality? They just don't know God. Huh? Amen. No, when I was in the Caribbean, you spoke about my mom and dad. We're going to fight even if I can't win. Hallelujah. Now, God set preachers, Jeremiah 3.15, to give you wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Most people are scared of preachers. I don't know why they're scared of preachers. And, and they forgot one thing. My wife and I always plan before I come to church, take off my horn and my tail and put it in the, in the chest of draw and hide it. When I go home, I put it back on. <laughs> and, you know, they don't get to see it. You wonder why do they, why do, they do this? And they fail to read Hebrews chapter 13, 7 and 17, you know. Even the kids. Why would you show Pastor Neil this? Why would you talk to Pastor Neil? He's going to get you. I'm thinking, what on earth have they heard me say that make them think they should stay away? I thought Jesus says, let them come up to me. Parents, be careful what you're saying to your kids. Even if you don't like the preacher, don't let your kids know it. Act like you do. Buy him, buy him apple and wonton soup. Act like you love him. But don't poison him, please. Hello? Okay, fellowship. Why do we fellowship? <laughs> Brother Gidra says he's addicted to back. Mary wants to come back, so she'll bring him back. Okay, we'll bring him back. He's a nice man. He loved preachers and loved the work of God. Why do we fellowship? When we came here in McMurray, an empty building, we developed fellowship every night, Friday night after church. We go to where? Boston Pizza. That's where Kim used to work. Remember that? And we see her there. We go to Boston Pizza and see her there. Or we go to Black Tower. We go to Black Tower. You guys don't know what Black Tower is. Harpo's. Amen. That's where we go. And it was, it was a fight because as soon as church is over, People walk out that door, and that's a dangerous sign. Why do people, as soon as church is over, bam, right through the door? Something's wrong. We talked the other day about family of God. There are three levels of family. You're born in a, in a, in a, in a cultural family. You got your natural family. You got a spiritual family. You got to spend all of eternity, if you're saved, with spiritual family. And guess what? People you don't even like. If you don't like them, you probably won't get there anyway because you can't go with hate in your heart. But we fellowship one with another. 2 Corinthians 6, 14. When we come together, we fellowship. We respect each other's privacy. 
We do not violate people's rights. But we fellowship around the word. And our future is that Jesus is coming back for us. So the Bible said they were first called Christian. Let's go there. Acts chapter 11, 26. And the Bible says, in Acts 26, 28, a man said, you almost persuade me to be a Christian. Bring my chart in there, please, to my office here. You almost persuade me to be a Christian. Almost persuade me. Read verse 28. No, Acts 26, 28. A man said, you almost persuade me to be a Christian. Why am I a Christian? Before I got saved, I used to ask that. I must confess, I was impressed by some Christians I saw that really pulled me towards God. 1 Peter 4, 16. If any suffer as a Christian, there'll be time in your life where you'll suffer the Christian. Now, this chart is going to build emotions in some of you. You say, Pastor, I've done all that and nothing happened for me. Well, your day will come if you wait and see. Now, let's look at this right here. Talk to you about Christianity here. Wow, all these charts here? When would I go home? What is Christianity? What is Christianity? I think I need my pointer. It's in my office back there. You know the pointer is? Get my pointer back up there. What is Christianity? We want to answer those questions. What is Christianity? And how similar is this church tonight to the linkage between Rebecca and Eleazar? And Isaac, marriage. What are the benefits of you becoming a Christian tonight? What have you lost if you didn't become one? And how do I fit in? There's a difference between being prosperous and being blessed. Sinners prosper. Christians are blessed. To be blessed is to have divine favor of God, no matter what the circumstances in life. I've seen bodies. I've been on a cruise. My heart pains me when I see those bodies. Rich people. Lots of money. Travel night and day. But their body is initiated. And the state they're in. And my heart pains me. Prosperous, yes. Blessed, no. And I look at they're equal at their age. And now God preserved their eyesight, their body. They're 70, 80 years old. 90, and they're kept by the grace of God. Because God promised to do that. God said, even to your gray hair, I'll keep you. And I'll preserve you. But it doesn't mean we have exemption from problems. But we have a sovereign. Look at this now. The Christian edge that you have. If you choose to be a Christian tonight, what are the edges you're going to have? First, God's going to be on your side. You'll be part of the church. And you will now become a part of the heavenly and the body relationship called the people of God. Look at this right here. Your home life will be found upon the rock. 
You have home, home security. Because you become a Christian, you become a disciplined follower of Jesus Christ, and your daily walk is with you to supply all these. And because God is your now Savior and Father, you have a relationship with God, the angels. God put angels over you, bodyguards. Wherever you go, they follow you. They encamp over you. You don't see them, but they're there watching over you night and day wherever you go. They, ne they never leave you. can't leave you, and they can't accuse you before God. So you become good stewards of God. hope you folks can see this. So as a Christian, God promised you these things, a pyramid of success. All your needs will be supplied daily. God promised you eternal security. He promised you that you'll be blessed of God. You'll experience prosperity in your walk with God. You have treasures in heaven laid up where moth and rust and thieves can't get to. You have it in heaven. Even though that you don't have a bank account down here, you're going to be healed when you're sick. Shelter from storms and problems and crises. He promised you good success on earth as you keep his word and you inherit eternal life. So here you are, the scripture that proves these things. These are the models that God gave you. He said, search the scripture, for in them you think you have eternal life. You are not supposed to act like you're hopeless. You're not supposed to let the fear of the people of this world bother you. Their fear is not your fear, because their God is not your God. And their rock is not like your rock. When you begin to act like they do, then you embarrass God. Because you don't know your God, because the people who know their God are going to be strong. And work in exploit. We that are Christians, I want to look very carefully. And you boys who are preaching for me on Sundays, take a look. Know what I'm preaching about. What's the advantage of becoming Christians? God does not exempt us from storms, trials, problems, tribulations. You live on earth. You're going to face those things. Jesus was hungry, he was thirsty, he was weary, he had a place to sleep. So will you. But every one of those needs are met. All those needs are met. Now, here's how we start out. We start on a sand-like foundation. No God, don't know him, don't know peace. We'll live an unchristian life. We'll build our home on politics, religion, you name it all, and all that stuff right here. It's sand, it's not the word of God. But then... We got converted because between these two, and I don't have the marker right here with me. The guy on the sand rejects the sayings of Jesus. He's not obeying nothing Jesus says. So when the, when the economy falls through, he's panicking. When his money failed him, Ben Khan failed him, he panics. This guy here said, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we shout over the name of our God. On that ship, Yerachadnan hit them. Paul said they want to kill themselves. And Paul said, oh, no, when you guys are trying to commit suicide, God stood beside me last night and told me I'm okay. And I believe the report. You understand that? So this person here built on the rock. Christ Jesus. 
And when we say be a Christian, we want you built on Jesus. You totally rely on Jesus. You're not relying on your education, your family background. You're not relying on your pocketbook, your bank book, and, and whatever books you got, and, and, and money in the bank. No, no, no. Your, your reliance is on God. It's he told you, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and then all that you need on earth will be supplied to you. Now, either he's a liar or are you going to be the liar. He says, all, not some, all. Now, I don't know what all is for you, but he knows. He says, I know you have need of these things before you ask me. So when I'm preaching up here, you can't come down there and condemn me. You're wasting your time. I'm going to preach every promise in this book. I don't care what you believe. I don't care what your experience is. I don't care what you go through. I'm telling you, I'm going to preach what is in this book. Now, I won't apologize. I never apologize for what I preach. Never apologize for God's word. I preach it like it says. And then I don't have to fulfill it. He does. And if he doesn't, I still don't worry about it. That's his problem. If I tell God's going to heal you and God didn't heal you, that's his problem. Not mine. He says, you pray for the sick and they shall. So what should I tell you? I'm preaching recovery. If he chose not to recover, that's his problem. Not mine. But if the word preached mixed with faith, what happens? You get it. All right? The Christian edge in the storm. You will have storms. Because God wants you to know him as the God of the valley. And he's still the God of the mountaintop. If God gives a thing you need, you'll be a spoiled brat. You forget to pray. God made them suffer hunger. That they may know that they don't live in bread only, but by the word of God. All right? So you have, you're going to experience in this life famine. You live in an environment that's famine. But you're going to find prosperity in the midst of famine. There are times there are valleys. Society goes through valleys. But you find deliverance. There are times people are suffering for lack of needs. Being fulfilled. But God's, God's supplying yours. And I got proof to all this. I got models. I'm called to preach the model. Preach the word. Not preach your hang-ups. Not preach your fears. It's up to you. Read chapter 3 and 4 of the book of Hebrews. It says, some of you don't believe the preachers. They get nothing. Hello? And those who believe gets it. His Nazareth problem. Storms. But God gave us shelter. He's watching us. His eyes are on the sparrows. And said, I'm more worthy than the sparrows. Psalms 23. I hunker to this. How many of you believe this? Psalm 23. Do I walk to the vows of death? Hey. I pray for the church tonight. So, Lord Jesus, take me safe to the church. Did you, did you guys pray? Did you pray for you? You in your car and say, God, take me to the church safe and bring me back safely? Did you pray for your brother and sister? I doubt you if you pray. Most of you didn't. Pray. You only pray after the accident happened. Too late. I send prayer ahead of me. Amen. Right? So, when I pray... And in my storm, I expect God to give me provision for my storm, my shelter, my security, my blessing. You know, I, get, I was thinking this week, but then it came back to my memory. I told you, we're going to have storms. I tell you exactly what to do. I, most of you don't even do it. But I check up with my wife. 
I said, did you do it? Are we doing it? God told us what to do. He's the one to do it. That's your problem. But I want to tell you, I found God always gave us an answer before the problem comes. He always answered a question nobody asked. See right here? We exist on the promises of the Bible, the word of God knowledge, the preaching, and scripture. I don't know about you, but I know I, I live by it. All right? The Lord tells us, let not the fear of society or make Mary any place fear on your job or sorrows be yours. Don't sorrow as others who have no hope. You're not serving a hopeless God. You're not serving a God whose hands are shortened, whose eyes are blind. They're going to tell him what you have need of. He says, I know before you ask me. And so the heavens rule. This earth don't rule. He rules. You just need to get in the will of God. And if you chose a raven to feed you, eat that. That's all you're going to get. If you chose a brook, that's all you're going to get. One time the brook dries up. Huh? So your job can dry up too. The ravens stop coming. For a while the blessing may stop coming. But he moved it to another direction. To a widow where the meal never runs out. But you want to get hasty with God and faced it with God? Go ahead. Or you're going to depend on God. How to face the comet today? Expect these. Supply. Like Joseph. When money failed in Egypt, you guys have been through before. You've been through. But you know what? You don't dig in your past. You didn't even, Brother Gerard, don't even buy a record from you. We got a whole pile up in the air, pop in the back room like this. Ooh, pile up there. Too bad. But expect these security. I expect security. I work at the plant. They had several downturns, several times, and people were crying and having heart attacks and so on. Not one time they got cut. Not one. It wasn't even crossed their mind. God just shadowed me in the palm of his hand. Security, like the widow in the Bible. Expect these, like Isaac. I'm sowing in the land. We're supposed to be famine. I'm prospering while they're, while they're suffering. And like Elijah, <coughs> God gave me a maintenance program that will not run out. <laughs> and like Elisha, and I also like Joseph. Look what happened here. Goshen. God knows where the job is, where the bucks are. Well, why doesn't he give it to me? Because he has his reasons. Abaca, though the fig tree don't blossom, be the fruit of the vine, yet what I worship God. My worship is not affected by my handouts. It has no linkage at all. My faithfulness to God does nothing in my pocketbook or my little social blessing. God's not a welfare state. I serve you on all conditions. The environment and my situation has no impact on my walk with God. I can't pray for God to bless me. I can't fast. They don't entitle God. No. God is not entitled to do anything. Thank God he does, though. <laughs> he does entitle himself to us. Look at this. Expect future plenty as a Christian versus your present emptiness. 
somewhere, I know the Lord will make a way somehow. Like Elisha got me the way. Right? God give us gladness in time of sadness. We sorrow not as others have no hope. I don't care what they say in McMurray or the oil companies. I don't care what they say. The first thing I read is the Bible and I settle it. If I was going to invest, I'd invest in oil. Black oil. Yeah, I would. He said, why would you do that? Because God said, hurt not the oil. You can't figure that out, eh? Now, if you guys were all smart people and you had money in your pocket, hello, you were buying up what the Gentiles are running away from. But because you're not on the ant, you don't have nothing to buy with. So thank God for the raven coming to feed you. Hello. Sorry as others who have no hope. The joy of Christianity today. Faith, worship, solution, fruitfulness. Mm. That's a turnaround, folks. Little boy said to my wife and I, I took my wife for dinner. Little boy said, I made what? The wrong turn. I thought, what a sermon. He said, I made the wrong turn. What do we mean by that? But God took me from fear, worry, problem, barrenness, starvation, huh? and valleys, and turned things around and taught me faith, worship. Mm. Hallelujah. And I, I learned God knows what I've needed before I ask him. You don't know when I'm preaching back here and I'm sick. You don't have no idea. It has no impact on Scripture. If God never heal us, he's still a healer. If God never gave me that job, he's still a faithful God. Job says, shall I receive blessing and not reverses at the end of God? Hello. Believe and he shall receive. Is this all right? You know what? Being a Christian. Being a Christian. A child of God. It's not just coming here and me shout at you and, and make a bunch of noise. No, church. There are benefits of this. And the best is yet to be seen. It's not down here. We're just pilgrims searching and passing through. It's, the Bible says right here that your joy may be full. God is not going to make you sad. You know what sad means? Seasonally affected disorder. You folks didn't get it. God says, if your cup is not empty, I can't fill it up. God said, Peter, if your net wasn't full, in fact, with an empty net, I can work a miracle for you to discover who I am. What if his net was full? He wouldn't know who Jesus is. David discovered the separate of God when his cup ran over. And your trial and problems didn't come to this sea to overthrow you. It come to make your faith strong. Your situation has come to make you know God better. Not make you bitter. God didn't come to destroy your hope. You can't run from here to, to Venezuela and find another God down there. He's the same down there. 
It's not in location. It's in him. Hello? God is in the favor of you as a Christian. You've got a blank check given to you by God. Discover who you are. I'm trying to teach you guys who you are. The scripture is your rock foundation, the promise of God that you should anchor in him, and the blessings is your playground. You should be right now dancing and says, thank God the economy is going down, price is dropping, now I can afford that house. Now I can afford that car. They, Bill, and I inhabit. I don't hear naming around here. You know I Because you're all bankrupt. But when are we going to believe on God? You think God brought you this far to let you down? You think God didn't give you one little chance in your life to say, He finally failed. You'll be the first one. You will never get that place. He will take care. He said, no man pluck into my hand. You believe that? Look at this. Because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're exempted from sickness, persecutions, trials, etc., etc. They'll come. They're valleys. There are all these things up in your life. But you know you got some sinner friend watching you going through that valley, going through the fire. And they notice you didn't cuss and swear. They notice you didn't commit suicide and wonder how do you do it. That's exactly what Ruth saw in Naomi. Naomi said, God dealt me such a bitter blow. He said, boy, I want to know your God. And where you lodge, I want to lodge. I want your people to be my people. Because if that's your worst case, what's your good case like? And she went from a beggar to the landlord, marrying the richest guy in Israel. That was not even her plan, not even her mind. But God said, you can't invest in me and lose. You can't take one step towards me and fail. You take one step and I'll take a giant step towards you. Hallelujah. You give the alabaster box and I'll give you heaven. Let's praise the Lord. Oh, I love my God. I love my God. I'm telling you tonight, your crisis is calling you to invite Christ in your crisis. Cure it not thou that we perish. He said, what's wrong with you? I am on board. All you have to do is just wait. Stop the stuff. What manner of man is this? You ain't seen nothing yet. Wait till you get to heaven. All right? When you're in the storm, in the crisis, have patience. Possess your soul. Don't lose faith. Don't throw faith overboard and go shipwreck. Don't lose your trust in God and your confidence and your faithfulness and thankfulness. You must say right here, I know in whom I have believed. I'm telling you, my friend, when I lost my job, I knocked more doors. I gave more tracks out. And while I'm doing that, God take care of my business. Because God taught me already to make money. You take care of my business, I'll take care of yours. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. You just take care of my business, and you worship God. Amen. 
And if you're just coming to church right now, you're going to bless your socks off. So make sure you wear socks so you can bless it off. He promised you deliverance, solutions, need supply, healing, support, and answer. You say, Pastor Neil, have you experienced those? Well, of course. Everybody my wife and I are rich. I'll tell my wife. I went downtown. My wife invited me to a store called Sally Ann. I don't know what she's talking about. She and her friends about the Sally Ann store. And I bought this suit, this jacket here. That was one here. Amen. And uh, I wear it somewhere. This guy's trying to tell me what I had on, how much it cost. Why well, didn't pay that for that? If I paid 20 bucks, if I could pay more to dry clean than I paid for the suit. <laughs> I was preaching somewhere. I said, guys, let your wife wear a mink. This guy has no real job. Took his wife down to one of those stores. He said, Pastor, I want to show you this. I said, oh, yeah. He said, we went shopping. I said, why not? Let's go get my wife a mink. So I went in the store and saw a furry stuff. And he, he picked it up. And they agree, this first stuff, it is, is imita- he says, this is imitation. So, well, this is a bite still. And they didn't check the label. When he went home and checked it, a parasine, Paris, amen? Perfect mink. 100% mink. God knows how to let. Boaz dropped some things that you may pick it up. Now, I'm going to tell you something, you folks here. I'm going to be transparent to you guys. I watch you, and God, God, God watch you through me. He said, Pastor Neil, you said in the service, all those who have prayer requests, put your hand up and ask God. And God says, I watch those who don't. And they're hurting. They're hurting. And they won't. And what happened? You won't get nothing from God. Hallelujah. That Syrophoenician woman was so smart, Jesus couldn't insult her enough to make her turn away. He, and he, he, knew what, he knew what she would do. He wanted to do it for her. But he shook her up. And she outdone him. She said, Lord, true, but not good enough. Don't you know the crumbs and the bread have the same stuff? And by the way, you're Lord. And I will eat the crumbs. All I want is my kid healed. You know what she said? I have never seen such faith in all my Jerusalem walk. Is he lying? He said, woman, great is your faith. He could not shake her off. Well, you can sit and die if you want to, but I like those lepers. Why sit here and die? If you want to, this guy one time near a church across the road there, and he walked around and borrowed money from everybody. He was a thief. We finally let him out. He was a thief. So he was. You know, walking and borrowing money from everybody. And I found out what's going on. I said, Saints, don't give this guy a dime. He was staying in his bed till one or two in the, in the, in the afternoon. 
And they expect the phone to ring to find a job. When McMurray's going through rough times. Listen, because everybody in the church got a job they weren't qualified for. That's the truth. Amen. Even guys who couldn't read were given jobs as supervisors. I have people under them that read better than they did. But when God, when a man finds favor with God, Heaven's windows are open. And there's torrential rain that come down from God. Because Christianity comes with blessing. It's an inheritance. You married in the family of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And I found out, you know, man, now if, if you really believe God will give you a job, get up, drive to the company, and knock the door and says, I'm here. God sent me. See what happened. I just lost you. I know I, I'm in Disneyland or Disneyland. Disneyland. It happened before. What did you say? Just a voice alone opened the door. And you never know who you're talking to. Before I close, how God sees me as a Christian. And this is one thing that I never do to myself that Christian does to themselves. I know why they do it. God never called me a dog, never called me a pig, never give me any name I'm embarrassed with. In fact, God always flatter us. Nobody flatters more than God. And listen to this. He called us purchased possession, his jewels, his body. I'll tell you, if you're up for sale, my wife wouldn't buy you, my friend. She'd buy a can of milk as if it's, she's trying to buy a Buckingham Palace. Too expensive. Cost too much. So listen, let's have no debate over this price. Let's move on. God never told you it cost too much. Hello. You call his jewels, his body, his sons and daughters. We're called by his name. We are his wife, his bride. Come on now. We're graven in the palm of his hand. We are his sheep, his church. He said, they are mine. We are, we're joined here with him. He's chosen you. He beloved you. We are a saint. Hey, church, look what that does here. And each of these got... Values. Look, God, highly respect you. Why can't you respect yourself? When you walk down there, walk like you own the place. In fact, you own the place. You're sitting beside a future king, a future queen. Can you believe that? I don't think you believe it. You're giving lip service, right? You believe it? <laughs> I might as well talk to the wall. All the fear is it may answer me. Look at this in closing, folks. Look at this right here. Jesus promised you, as a Christian, I will or I am. I am with you always. I'll never leave you comfortless. I am your eternal security. I'll supply all your needs. I will answer to you all your prayers. I will guard you with my angels. I'll build you a mansion in heaven, and I'll have a place prepared for you when it's all over. 
and you got treasures in heaven. You don't believe that? You know what? Come back discussing TD and Myrtle Bank or the Goodwill store. Why can't you believe that? Can you believe Paul says, your eyes have not seen and your ears have not heard what God's prepared for you? You know why? He didn't want you to love, you, love him for what you can get, but for who he is. Look, look at this right here. Eternal life. Deliverance from all what? Evil. Give you power over the enemies. Crown you. You know, you know all my boss tried to fire me? Three, and all three got fired before I left. I left with honor. They all left with dishonor. Because God saw what they're doing. The wicked plotted, but the Lord delivered him. Shikamahaya. Praise God. Does this make sense? Amen. Now, if you folks don't want to hear this, I'm preaching to my wife. I used to do it before. I'll do it again. Come on, folks. All right. He promised you a crown, a throne, and a new gown, and heaven is yours. Look, this is what you're on earth. You're just a stranger here. You're a pilgrim, so don't try to fit in. You're a citizen of heaven. You're a sojourner. You're a saint. You're a Christian. You're what? A disciple, right? You're a child of God. You're members of his body. You got divine favor. You're, you're blessed. You're prosperous and so on. Now, you say, I'm going to prosper us. We, my wife said, don't tell you guys this. I'm going to tell you anyway. You guys, every year, need to go on a cruise. Every one of you bankrupt saints need to go on a cruise and prove to you you're not bankrupt. You need to rub shoulder with tycoons and rich people. And sit down with a tuxedo. Don't worry about, about tuxedo. You can buy a tuxedo next to you and wear it down there like you're brand new. They won't know the difference. <laughs> Did you know you can go on a cruise for seven days for $199? And not one of you are thinking of it right now. The first you go to Marianna Lake and back. And you won't even find the money to buy the gas. Now, you should all be lying. with the pastor, where can I get that? Tell me, where's that cat? Where can I get it? Stylist, I know she's going to ask me later on where I'm going to get it. The only difference is, on the ship, you may not have a window in the wall. <laughs> but you don't have to worry about the storm. Because you won't see it. But every place where they dock, you're going to be able to go there. And you're sitting beside rich people and tycoons, and, and you act like your own place. You can sit up there and watch the whole ocean. How have you ever been on a cruise before? Let's see, on this side, I've been on a cruise before. And the rest of you? My God, I hope tonight you listen to me. How about this side here? You see who the rich people in church are? Look at them, guys. Yeah, they are. Put your hand up, guys. All right. Over on this side. Lord, Tobago. Not on a cruise, places. And the rest of you poor, poor church mouse. $199. It never crossed your mind that you could do that. And the only highest fare you have to pay is a plane fare. Do 
Bless him, Lord. Bless her, rather. You say him, her, sorry. Hello? Let's stand. Church, I'm trying to raise your, your, your elevation about yourself. Your expectation. You know what? It's, it's so sad. You work all your life, morning, noon, and night, punching card out, punching card in, punching card out, and then you die that way. And when you die, Uncle Sam took your money away from you and charged the rest in taxes. Sister Facey, wouldn't you like to be on a cruise? Have you seen your husband? Touch him, please. Husband, would you listen to your wife? I take her on a cruise. <laughs> Hallelujah. And go on that fantastic dinner. And let them serve like you're a rich person. Then you come back home to reality. Do your own cooking. But folks, look at this right here. When I came to God, so I came to God. I came to God with all my baggages, you know. I'm taking from experience. I came to God with all this problem, all my sinful life. Look at that. But then God brought me to repentance. There's nothing in my life that God took from me that is leaving me handicapped. Amen. That money has to buy for Nick and give to Jesus now. If he gets it. Hello? Look right here. Look at the new life I'm living now. And so, I know there are times in my life and yours we got success, test, prosperity, test. And you know what? They tell me in the hospital, the day your life is like this. You're dead. <laughs> You're a dead man. So thank God for the ups and the downs. The ups and the downs. Try it. Get on that. Just give them that card. You can go on a cruise for $300. Show it to them. Show these Pentecostals. Amen. If you're laid off, go on a cruise. My take come back and I'll be ready for you. Find a job. You're going to sit here and cry. My God, have mercy on them. Go celebrate. Thank God for a break. I need a holiday. When I come back, God, you'll have the job ready for me. God, love a positive spin on life. Let's praise the Lord right now. A crown is waiting for us. A gown and a throne. Let me test you one more time. Who have any need as a Christian on this side? Anybody? I see those hands. Hold those hands up. I want you to whisper to God what they are right now. Tell them right now. Believe it right now. Step right out into faith. All right? If I say it to you, According to your faith, so be it. Can you accept that? How about this side? Who has a need that you believe? Hallelujah. Omar, come here. I'm going to obey the Holy Ghost. You know, I'll do something here. 
I know you don't like this. I know it sounds stupid. But I'm looking down the pike. Come here. My God, you're supposed to be starving and losing weight. Come here. Come right here. Come right here. I want to hug this guy here. One is he's going to preach my gospel. I, I, I don't care what he says. I keep telling you that. Right? Because you see, we got to keep saying to it happen. Right? Your answer is right here. You owe me 50 grand. Can't. No, no, no. That's her. That's her. Get your own. Get your own. Get your own. Amen. But I tell you, Jesus Christ has an answer. Hallelujah. You know, I know that. I was where you are. And I'm promising you tonight this. This. No condemnation. Amen. Just justification. I mean, merit without work. Let's thank God for that right now. Amen. How many's got knees out here? I believe God's going to do tonight. Knees. Let's see those hands. Raise hands and say, God, I believe you tonight. Come on. Raise those hands. How many on this side? I raise those hands and say, okay.